This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Tech Entrepreneur on a Mission podcast. My name is Ton Dobbe, and I'm the founder of Value Inspiration and the author of The Remarkable Effect. I'm creating a tribe of tech entrepreneurs that are on a mission to do something big and meaningful. I invite you to join the tribe as well, especially if you want to create change that matters and put your software business on momentum that you're proud of. The goal that I have with this podcast is twofold. Firstly, to inspire new forms of value creation by sharing compelling ideas and stories about the potential we can unlock when technology and people blend in the right way. And secondly, share experiences from tech entrepreneurs like you about what is required to create a remarkable software business and how to overcome the roadblocks to do so. The guest on my podcast today is Todd Moser, chairman and CEO of Sensory. When you have really smart PhDs from the top schools that have strong egos, Sometimes, you know, the, the not invented here syndrome exists with a lot of our customers and with sensory itself. And to get people that are really smart and really capable and tell them, let's not do it ourselves. Let's use what somebody else has done. That, that can be challenging. When we moved yeah, yeah. to the cloud, we started using open source acoustic models, but our own in-house language models. And there's some advantages of being small. We can, we can move faster. And it's easier for us to integrate different technologies because we don't have these giant groups that are in separate silos. So for example, yeah. we talked about deep fusion of face and voice. Well, it's not like Google and Facebook and, and Apple aren't doing voice and face, but they have them in different silos. So kind of combining them together isn't as easy as for a company like Sensory. This is Todd. He's got broad business and general management experience. He's got a Stanford MBA with technical roots. He's a founder, co-founder, or early member of management teams of three successful venture-backed high-tech Silicon Valley startups. Each startup has been involved in audio, music, and or speech and AI technologies for consumer electronic markets. And that includes toys, musical instruments, Bluetooth headsets, mobile phones, voice assistants, smart devices, or IoT. He founded Sensory with the mission to enable people to communicate with consumer electronics like we communicate with each other. And this inspired me. And hence I invited Todd to my podcast. We explored our journey as a pioneer in neural networks and how they transformed from inventing everything in-house to leveraging the open source ecosystem in a way that strengthens their advantage. We also discussed their drive towards embracing deep fusion blending different technologies to create exponentially more value. And last but not least, Todd shares his wisdom around building a software business that thrives long-term. By listening to this podcast, you will learn four things. Firstly, by focusing on solving the hard things first can give you instant profitability. Secondly, how blending technology enables you to grow a position of advantage 
while creating impact previously believed unattainable for your customers. Thirdly, their secrets in obtaining high valuable feedback from their customers. And fourthly, how to create a software business that your best people don't ever want to leave. Well, hi Todd. Thank you for making the time today and yeah, being prepared to, to share the big idea behind your company, Century. Thanks, Tom. It's nice to be here. When I started, when I do my research, I'm always on the hunt for compelling and inspiring stories about the value that we can unlock when the technology and people in the right way. Through the research that I do around the technology companies that are available, I, I, I stumbled upon Sensory. And first of all, I realized that your company is, uh, is not ex- it's not where the majority of my guests come from like two, three, four years ago. You're actually, your company goes back to 1994. But what also struck me is that you know, you're a pioneer in the neural network space, but very recently, and you keep doing that, you're part of the top five most innovative companies in a particular category. You're, you're seen as one of the top visionaries in voice, which is fascinating to me because I wrote my book, The Remarkable Effect. And getting there is one thing, but staying remarkable is another thing. And that's what you seem to have covered. We're going to talk about that in depth. But before we start, I always want to ask one question that's about how do you define yourself? If, if you would have to use two or three words that characterizes you as a person or entrepreneur, what would that be? Well, I'm creative. I'm very good at thinking outside of the box. In fact, my VP of sales told me once, Todd, you don't even see the box. So I would say I'm creative. I'm decisive. I'm very analytical, even though I'm creative. And that's an interesting kind of combination. Exactly. That is very, because most of the time it's either or. <laughs> yeah, that's fascinating to, to have that as well. Creative well my, my dad's a rocket scientist and my mom's an actress. So, <laughs> and an artist. I'm a yeah, combination. There you go. I'm a musician and I love technology. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, I recently had a guest on my podcast, the CEO of a company called Neuro, NeuroCreate. And she's, she's also, she's an artist and has that neuroscience background as well and, and create solutions to do exactly that. So talking about your company, it's been a long time. You're the CEO and chairman, so you didn't start it, right? Yes, I started it 26 started years ago. Well. Yep. You started six years ago. 26. 26 years ago. I started the yeah, company exactly. 26 years ago. All right. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So when, well, since you started the company, I didn't realize that. You've been there a long time. What was the big idea then? Because that was really early days with regards to neuroscience. And what was the problem that you that you saw that, that made you found the company? Yeah. So the, the problem was that electronics had been getting more and more capable. You know, digital technology had hit. Large-scale integration was going on with chips. And we were getting these consumer electronic devices that had all these features But the way to interact with the features really hadn't changed since the the start of man. You know, we were using our hands and hitting buttons and turning switches and and controlling knobs. And it had really become ineffective to get all the features. In fact, one of our our very early customers had a name that I've always liked and I always remember. It was called Flashing 12. And the idea was that people would buy VCRs. Nobody would know how to set the time and everybody would have Flashing 12s on their VCRs. So they, they were a very early player that would set the time with voice and do other voice-based functions. That's how, where, where the voice part started already. Okay. So, yeah, I mean, I, I completely agree with that. 
Yeah, see, well, you've, you've evolved a long time. Maybe you should kind of summarize like what were the ma major milestones that you recall upon that meant important moments for your company over time? Sure. Well, we did a lot of things right in the early days. We focused on, I think, what today would be called shallow learning because deep learning is the, basically the same approach, but with a lot more data. And so we were, were a pretty early pioneer in neural networks and we were using them to, to do speech recognition. And our original vision was that we wanted to combine all the different sensory functions, including speech and including touch and including vision. But we decided to tackle speech first, which was probably the toughest area to tackle. And we had very early success with that. We were almost profitable immediately because there was a lot of demand and, and no competition. And over the years, things have really changed. And today, there's competition everywhere. And the competition are the companies that really used to be our customers. So companies like Google and Amazon and Microsoft and Samsung, they all have very big in-house speech teams and neural network capabilities and deep yeah. learning capabilities. And they all have been our customers off and on over the years. But today, they're also our competitors because they give things away for free that we are trying to sell. So that's forced us to remain very innovative and stay on top and do the the bleeding edge, not just the cutting edge. Very interesting. Yeah, they, yeah, they give away a lot. Okay, we'll talk about it later on, bleeding edge. You know, you, I mean, asked about, you asked about how things have, have changed over the time and key pivot points. And there are there's a few really interesting ones. I mean, one thing that's become really important today is privacy. And when I started the company, you know, we didn't we didn't have social media, we didn't have deep learning where data was the new oil or gold or whatever label you want to put on it. Yep. Since we started as an embedded technology company doing everything on device, and even though it wasn't our strategy around privacy when we started, it was around cost. Today, it's turned into a big advantage in that we do everything by keeping things private by doing it on device. Yeah. So that's, I mean, I recently had the CEO of a company called Anagog on my podcast, and they are pioneering what they call Edge AI. So is that an area that you are in as well? Yep. When we started, we called it embedded speech. Yeah. Today, it's Edge AI. It's, edge just means it's on device. Exactly. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. And what I saw on your website, or maybe it's actually on, yeah, it's, it's on LinkedIn. So, well, founded Sensory to enable people to communicate with consumer electronics like we communicate with each other. I, I really like that visual appeal to it because you can actually see it in front of you. So what is... What has changed? What are the major, yeah, what are the biggest breakthroughs that have been the big breakthroughs over time to get that to the next level? So for, for sensory layering on different technologies. So we started with voice and about 10 or 12 years ago, we added computer vision and that com combination of voice and vision we think is very powerful. For example, with one of our offerings is biometrics. So we can do biometrics with voice. Or we can do biometrics by looking at a person's face. But when you combine them together, you get a more accurate result without sacrificing any convenience. And it becomes much, much more difficult to spoof. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's the whole thing around facial recognition is that you can fake it. But by combining things. And that's, that's something that you see a lot in various examples also through the podcast that It's not that you can replace people with one particular piece of technology. The moment you start to blend things as well, and here you see two, two technologies together, 
actually give a result that's better than the, than the sum of its components. That's have you right. Seen, have you seen more of those examples? Well, throughout the the portfolio that you created over time. No, it's it hasn't hit big yet. We think that's sort of the next thing that's that's coming. Where a lot of our focus today is on what we would call deep fusion. But really, some of the other big things that have happened in in our space, not just with sensory itself, the emergence of deep learning is is a huge phenomenon. And we've been using neural networks for a long time. But the idea that you can collect so much data and and train on that is a is a powerful concept, and it's affected the whole world, yeah. and not only created better and better systems, but it's created this new era of open source technologies. So getting access to the technologies and the data has become very easy. And that's created interesting challenges and opportunities for sensory. Yeah, I know of, I mean, I recently spoke to John Stein, who started this NGO, the Open Voice Network. And I think he's also trying to create open standards. So that, I mean, uh, we can start to leverage things that are available without having to reinvent the wheel. And I think that that's, that's what you're alluding to as well here with open source movements. Is open source a big thing for your company? Yes, it is. You know, in the early days, we created all our technology in-house. So we had very elegant solutions before all the open source ever existed. But now that it's open source is available, for example, one of the things that we're doing is moving towards cloud solutions by using some open source. So we've gone away from our original roots of inventing everything in-house. So that's an interesting choice in itself, because I come from a company, I'm also a company started in the 80s, when I didn't even work there. But yeah, it's all proprietary. And that's what you see as your competitive advantage. So what was the, the decision that you made to, to step away from that and to get, go and join the open source movement? And was that for all your products or was it for elements of it? No, it's, it's for elements. So when we, when we do embedded technologies, we use all our own in-house technologies because they've really been developed over many, many hundreds of man years of effort. Yeah. And, and they're very elegant, they're very tiny, and they're very accurate. So we actually have on-device solutions that can, in specific domains, can outperform Google and Amazon and these cloud-based solutions. But when we want to get more general and do multi-domain assistance and that sort of thing, it's easier for us to go to the cloud and use open source for that type of thing. So it's more on the cloud side of things where we would use open source. And when we do it on device, we tend to have good enough libraries of our own that we can outperform anything that's open source. Yeah, it's a good combination. Well, it's, yeah, it's one of the things that I describe in my book about getting a focus on the essence and becoming resourceful. But I think for a CEO, it's a very important choice to at some point say, wait a minute, we focus on what, yeah, on, we focus on what sets us apart and the other things that, that are important, but not particularly differentiating for us, we leave it to others. Is, was was yeah. that a similar type of thought behind it? That's similar to my thinking. When you have really smart PhDs from the top schools that have strong egos. Sometimes, you know, the the not invented here syndrome exists with a lot of our customers and with sensory itself. And to get people that are really smart and really capable and tell them, let's not do it ourselves. Let's use what somebody else has done. That that can be challenging. 
Yeah. Have you got an example of of a particular choice that was really, really hard to do, but turned out really well going left or right? I'm not sure what you mean. I mean, one of those choices where you would normally develop it yourself, but then you let go and just to, to get more focus on what's really set you apart, where you said, for example, well, we stop developing this, leave that to experts that are far better than us. Yeah, so it's it's not really that clean. So I said that we're starting to use open source in the cloud. We're still using, you know, if you look at speech recognition engines, there's acoustic models and there's language models. And so there's these different components. And when we moved yeah, yeah. to the cloud, we started using open source acoustic models, but our own in-house language models. And what we yeah. quickly found that that the acoustic models were very good at very specialized kinds of tasks. But when we wanted to generalize, they didn't generalize well at all. So we actually needed to apply our technical skills and expertise to make these acoustic models more generalizable. So they are open source, but they're really not usable out of the box. And that's really been the problem with open source is if you do exactly what the user tested on that got the great results, you can match those results. But when you move into different accents or different noise environments or different distances or different languages, it doesn't carry over. Yeah, exactly. And it's a constantly evolving thing. In the beginning, you said that you had, in the beginning, you had customers like Google, and now they have turned into your competitors. These are companies that now give away things that you used to sell. And as a consequence, you've, you've been pushed by them to really search for the bleeding edge. Can you give an example of that? And that is maybe also the answer to why you started in 1994 and are still seen as one of the most innovative companies in this space about 26 years later. Yeah, I mean, there's some advantages of being small. We can we can move faster and it's easier for us to integrate different technologies because we don't have these giant groups that are in separate silos. So for example... Yeah. We talked about deep fusion of face and voice. Well, it's not like Google and Facebook and and Apple aren't doing voice and face, but they have them in different silos. So kind of combining them together isn't as easy as for a company like Sensory. You know, another great example is right now we're doing sound identification, which is a really interesting kind of technology to have devices that can listen to what's going on around you and tell you if, you know, your baby's crying or if glass broke or give you warnings of these sort of things. And we were able to implement it in, in one of our speaker verification SDKs because it turned out that the filtering parameters that we use for verification of a voice are broad enough and detailed enough that it can cover a whole wide range of sounds. And I think when you have these separate silos, you don't always see those kind of synergies. Yeah. Let me make a small interruption here. Dot just made an excellent remark about how they carved out a position of advantage in a world where some of their largest customers, i.e. tech giants, turn into their competitors. By realizing they have to focus on the essence, i.e. being sniper-focused on those developments that create defensible differentiation, and to use other vendors and technology sources to focus on the parts that are less differentiating. This allows them to create speed, stay resourceful, and uncover synergies other companies simply can't see. And this is a trait that remarkable software companies master. By focusing on the essence in everything they do, they grow an ability to stay resilient, 
highly relevant and grow momentum faster than any of their peers. You can master these traits as well. And I got two options for you to start. First, read or listen to my book The Remarkable Effect. And you can find that on Amazon.com. Secondly, get into action right away and surround yourself by a group of people that think and act like you. Tech founders and CEOs that will help you remove your blind spots, explore new paths and sharpen your thinking. How? Just visit valueinspiration.com. Back to the interview. It's interesting how at the end, I mean, they always say innovation is, nothing is new, but innovation starts when you start to blend things together from different, different perspectives, from different categories. That's what you're doing here. That's right. I think there's some truth in that. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, having a, a large portfolio, because I see what, that, that you are in so many different areas, like I mean, artificial intelligence, speech recognition, natural language, wake word technology, text-to-speech, computer vision, and the list just goes on. <laughs> and seeing all the, the, well, you're talking about deep fusion. So you said this is a big focus for us these days. Is that something that, that you deliberately now seek well, going to the edge of, of what's possible with and experimenting with, with all these areas? I'm sorry, can you repeat the question? You mentioned that you are that deep fusion is a big focus for you today. Is that just because you have this, this wide variety of portfolio? And are you- no, it's more based on needs. So I would say, you know, we talked about biometrics as an example earlier and how we're we're doing fusion there. It's biometrics are very hard to do right, where you want it to be extremely yeah. convenient. You want it to be extremely accurate, but you don't want it to be spoofable. So yeah. it's really tough to do that with any one modality. You know, if you do it with face, you can get face is probably the best solution for, for getting the convenience and the accuracy and the lack of spoofability. But by layering that voice on top, it just makes it impossible to crack. So it's, yeah. it's really out of need more than. You know, just the fact, hey, we have all these things, let's combine them. Yeah. What drives your product strategy or your product innovation roadmap? What do you do in your company to continue to come up with the new ideas and to ensure that, yeah, that you stay, stay fresh and, and do remarkable things? Yeah, we're, I'm, we're in a very lucky position because we have a lot of really big, smart customers. We have over 200 customers. So, you know, if you compare Sensory with, the hundreds of new startups that are using open source and saying they have speech recognition and they have computer vision and the other technologies they have. One of the the big advantages that we have is that we have traction. We have customers, we have real people implementing it. And out of those people, out of their requests, we get innovation. So sometimes we come up with ideas of ourselves, but I would say at least half the time it comes out of need, out of request. You know, people use our product and they say, hey, can you do this too? Or, you know, we get ideas from them because they tell us what they want. Yeah. So what, I mean, what do you use as your, I mean, one of the things that I described in my book is at the end, you know, start, start with the big vision, North Star. So what is the North Star for, for Sensory that keeps you sort of, that guides you to say yes and no to certain developments? Well, it's really return on investment. I'd say more than anything, we're, we're a pretty practical business and we understand that we have certain areas of expertise that we'll have competitive advantages in but when we look at the many opportunities that we have we look at sort of standard business things like what is it going to cost to develop it what is the 
chance that yeah. will succeed, the risk, and what is the market opportunity? That's a very wise thing to do, but sometimes you don't know because it is you're doing things that have not been done before. So there's no right. validation in the market that things will just take off. Have you got any metrics for that or is that gut feel? Well, there's some gut feel, but it's combined with this knowledge of real customers that want real products. You know, having, yeah. having three companies say, hey, we want X and we take a look at what it takes to develop X, we've got a pretty good sense that there's demand for it. I mean, one of the one of the interesting things that we've found over the years, sometimes we we develop our own ideas on our own without customer interest, and then we like to show it to customers. And what we've found is that if we go out and say, "Hey, company, do you want X?" we get really bad answers. But if we go out and we say, "Hey, check this out. We've developed X. Do you want it?" we get really good answers. So a lot of times if we're going to proactively invest in things, it doesn't make sense to do any research up front. What makes sense is to do a quick prototype and let people play with the prototypes. And that gets their creative juices going so they can give us real feedback, not off the cuff, kind of yes or no. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, because people are visual and yeah, when they see something, it's easy. It's always easier to, to give feedback on something that, is, that you can touch, that you can see and feel rather than yeah. something that is uh, yeah, just a PowerPoint slide. <laughs> yeah, in fact, a good um, example of everything that we're talking about right now, Sensories, we haven't announced this yet, but in a couple of weeks, we're going to announce that we have a whole suite of voice tools available on the web that allow people to, to develop their own vocabularies without any tuning, without any data. You type things in and you can build simple wake words or commands or even natural language interfaces. And this is a really big breakthrough because in the past to do it accurately, we needed to collect a lot of custom data and to do a lot of hand tuning, which was expensive. And now we're enabling a tool so that our customers can yeah. do it themselves very fast and very cheap. And this week, we're starting to hand it out to some of our customers saying, hey, try this out and tell us what you think. And so we're going to get that hands-on feedback before we release it to the public. And one of the things we've already heard, you know, this gets back to the concept of innovation. One of our customers said, hey, we developed with this. It's going to save us hundreds of thousands of dollars in development cost. And it's getting really, really close to the accuracy we need already. Is there a way to train it on our own noise? You know, because the noise that it's trained on is built in, but we have our own custom noise for our usage application. And so that's got us thinking about, well, can we add to this tool some way to let them put their noise elements in it so it works better with their noise? So, you know, we're, we're getting good feedback already. Yeah, that's for the noise filtering, you mean? Yeah, it's not, we don't really do filtering because they're deep learn model. We train with the noise in it. So yeah. the question is, can we train with their noise? Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, interesting. So I see you, yeah, you, you said in the beginning that you're more of an embedded vendor. So there's no real end user products that come from it. You deliver it to companies like, I mean, Google, Garmin, GoPro. Kenwood, LG, and they, they use your technology in their devices. So it comes to market through their interfaces, right? That's correct. Yeah, yeah we actually have a few of our own products that are available in the app stores, but because we're always embedded and we have no access to data, what we do is we build a few free cool apps 
give them away to people, but we collect their data. So, you know, it's the old scheme, give us your data and we'll give you a free app. And that's one of our data collection means. So if you go into the Android, the Google Play Store, you can get a program that allows you to lock your applications. We call it App Lock by Sensory. And it's free and there's no ads and you can lock different things so that if somebody picks up your phone and gets in, they can't get into certain apps that you want to keep them locked out of. Oh, okay. Interesting. We have a really fun Uber. one that's actually my favorite. It's called Voice Selfie. And it allows you to take photos of yourself from a distance just by shouting out to the camera. And you can even create your own wake words. So, you know, if I, if I want to sh- call my wake word voice inspiration or value inspiration, I can train it on that. And then I say value inspiration and it takes a picture of me. <laughs> yeah, gimmicks. I'm going to check it out. So... Let me see, talked about my book a couple of times. And one of the things that inspired the book were all the, yeah, the experiences from, from tech entrepreneurs like you, talking about the 10 traits that define companies that keep, people keep talking about. So one of the questions I always like to raise is, what is your perspective on the traits that you need to have as a company or as a team to that, that your customers keep talking about? Any specific traits that come to mind? Well, sure. I mean, you need to listen to your customers. <laughs> I guess that's what I've been saying all along. You know, the, the customers know everything. There's, they're where your money comes from. There's, they're yeah. where your innovation comes from. So I think that's important. I think one of the things where Sensory has been very successful is keeping a relatively low turnover. We've had, you know, most of my management team has been on board for 10 years or more. And most of our, I think our average employees been on board 10 years or more. And that's really, real, really important, especially in an era where, you know, our employees are hot. Everybody's trying to steal them away and yeah. we do our best to keep them. So, you know, listening to your employees, listening to your customers are absolutely important for keeping the, the business alive. Yeah, that's key. Exactly. Keeping your employees is a very important thing. You said that, that people are trying to steal your best people away. When you're successful, it always happens. So, what is what is it do you, that you specifically do to to ensure that they will never never leave you? Well, we don't have anything that puts them in handcuffs. I mean, some of the things that we do is we're we're very open with information. So we have company meetings and we share with them how we're doing financially and you know what our big prospects are and what our strategies are. And we're small enough that everybody has access to talk to me about things if they want to. We've taken the entire company and their families to Hawaii twice now, and we're going to do it a third time as soon as COVID-19 makes it feasible. <laughs> so, we, you know, we have a lot of fun together. But probably I, I think the thing that, you know, maybe this is selfish, but one of the things that really keeps me motivated and I assume keeps everybody else motivated too is that we work on things that go to market. You know, and if you're at a big company, you can be stuck in some little cog hole working on some little thing for years and years and years, and you never see it come to fruition. And, you know, big companies cancel entire projects left and right, and something yeah. you work on might get put in and it might not get put in. And if it gets put in, you might not even be able to have any visibility of it. But we put things in real products that people all over the world use. You know, I was down in Chile. My my daughter was going to school down there and we went down to visit her and she was staying at a host family and the family invited us over for dinner and they asked me what I did and I explained that I put speech recognition in consumer electronics 
And there was a young woman in that family, and she said, oh, like in my GoPro camera, I can speak to it in Spanish and tell it to take a picture. And I'm like, that's our technology. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, it's pr- it makes you proud when you see that, that people are actually using it from around the world and actually remembering it and making a point about it. I completely see that. And I've seen it well, firsthand how companies, the company I used to work for, Project got killed over and over and over again and people just move from one to the other and get completely frustrated about it. And I think the transparency thing that you were talking about is a, is a critical thing. One aspect that I got inspired by, Greg Silverman talked about it in, in the podcast that I did with him, CEO of Concentric. He, he made a point about preparing people for failure, but on the other end, also prepare them for success. So when this is happening and when this is taking off, you know, that they have to be there and that they have to, yeah, what they do it for. And at the end, it puts also responsibility on their shoulders. But that's also what people like. That is real. Do you see that as well? So, you know, preparing for failure is, is sort of a tough thing. You know, I said we're honest. I wouldn't say that we prepare for failure, but we're honest about our financials. So right now, we've been healthy and profitable for a, a pretty long time. But there was a time when we had a very small amount of cash in the bank, so very little cushion. And every time we had a company meeting, one of the employees would ask, so if sales stop coming in, how long are we alive? And I'd tell the truth. And at one point, it got to be two weeks. <laughs> you know, that's if sales stop coming in. Now it's two years, so we're, we're, we're quite healthy. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, but there's more the, the fear of failure. Because if people are fearing failure, they, they just go the easy route. They don't take risk anymore. They don't go... I mean, the creativity stops. But the same thing you can say when, when it's about all well, the fear for success. That's what he meant, meant about. But okay, so from all those years that you've been in business, running the company and what you've seen with customers, what are you most proud of? Is there any anecdote of beyond the GoPro example from your, from your daughter that you keep talking about to customers and people? Well, we've done a, really a lot of very innovative things in the industry. I think most of the industry would credit Sensory for popularizing the wake words. And, you know, it's funny because when we first started using wake words, nobody knew, you know, if I said wake word, people wouldn't know what it is. And today I could say, you know, like Alexa or or, Hey Google, these kind of things. And probably one of our big claim to fame is that we were really the first company to, to perfect that so that it really worked. And I think we created the very first OK Google wake word. We created the very first Hey Siri wake word. We created the very first Hey Cortana. You know, we we came up with all these ideas and sent it off to all the companies and said, Hey, we can do this for you. You don't have to hit buttons. We did it for Samsung too. You know, we were in actually the very first wake word wasn't a Google or an Amazon or an Apple. It was in a Samsung phone. And we did that implementation. The very first Google hands-free wake word was in a Motorola phone. And we did that wake word. It's funny how, I mean, are you solving a massive problem? No, it's convenience. And yeah, it's what you're saying on your website. Enable people to communicate with consumer technologies like we communicate with each other. Hey, Google. (laughs) Yeah, it's fascinating how how everybody now knows what you're talking about and then i get the aha was it you let me see being being named one of the top 11 visionaries 2018 2019 in voice what inspires you these days 
what what do you believe is is the next thing that's coming that we are not seeing any evidence yet in the marketplace, but that we need to prepare for? Yeah, so I think I think now that speech recognition and AI technologies have been popularized and we're all used to them, I think making them more accessible is the next thing. I would say there's a few different things in our vision that we're pursuing. One would be accessibility. And we're addressing that with these web tools that I mentioned that makes it very easy to develop for speech recognition that works. Another effort that I've mentioned is the fusion, the deep fusion. And we're moving more and more in that direction and combining cameras with microphones to enable devices to better understand what's going on is, is really, really powerful. We're moving towards wake word less wake words. So you can just talk to devices without having to say, hey, Google or, or whatever you want. So, and that's a good example, the fusion where looking at a person's face and understanding their movements and what they're doing can actually help interpret what they're talking to. So we've got a lot of different things going on. In the biometric space, we're putting a lot of effort into preventing spoofability. You know, with biometrics, people talk a lot about accuracy, which is this idea of false accepts versus false rejects. And accuracy really isn't the problem. If you assume accuracy is broken by a random user, you know, we're hitting one in 50,000 people will be accepted with less than a a 5% false reject. So it's they're really, really accurate. The problem is spoofability. What if somebody has a photo of me? What if somebody does a, a mask of me that, that looks just like me and it's 3D? And so we're addressing all those things right now. And we're having some very, very good results, even with a 2D camera. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, that's always like the innovation comes with like, how cool is this? But then reality hits like, okay, how can it be used in the, in the wrong way? So how do you see that? Is that... Where does the majority, the bulk of your budget go? Is that in these type of security type things or is it in the innovation itself about the positive side? So in terms of budget, I mean, if you look overall at the company, we're a technology development house. You know, almost all of our budget, you know, 95% of our expenses are people. And I would say 85% of the people expenses go into technologists and PhDs and technology development yeah yeah that, that's typical for technology companies at the end it's uh, the creativity comes for people do you believe that with the technology that's coming around is that's that over time you will see a combination of yeah robots artificial intelligence doing part of the work with a combination of people i'm sorry can you repeat i'm not sure but i understood the, um, that i mean that the technology development at some point will be taken over by by technology itself oh i mean that's a that's a good question i suppose it could happen eventually i mean the, the problem is creativity you know the current approach for technology is deep learning right which means that you're training on what's already been done so creating new things from deep yeah. learning doesn't happen because it's trained on what's already been done so so can a deep learned device learn to be creative and innovative maybe but that i don't know time, is it yeah. five years out or is it 25 yeah. years out i'm not sure yeah that's right now that's a good thing at the end that's why those geniuses will have a key role to play in the future 
So from all the lessons that you learned as a CEO, what is a tidbit of, of wisdom that you, or advice that you could give to other to be CEOs or, or, or tech CEOs that want to well also have their company exist for over 26, 24 years and still be in, top line in the news? Well, I think a lot of, if you look at high-tech startups and companies, a lot of them don't have the goal of being alive for a long time. A lot of them get started up and they're sort of the shiny things. They put a lot of money into PR and, and marketing and kind of getting their name out there and then they quickly sell. And that's not a bad strategy if you want to make millions of dollars quickly. So I, I think actually for return on investment, having a quick sale is not a bad strategy. We've seen a lot of companies in our space, a lot of people that will start company after company, quickly sell them off. And that's not hard to do because a lot of these big companies really want to do aqua hires. They don't want the technology. But if you have a staff of 50 people that are trained and good at a direction that they want to know, they'll throw $50 million at you to get that. And, you know, if you start a company and raise $10 million and sell for $50 million after two years, that's a pretty nice return. Yep. If you want to be around for the long time, it's a very different kind of strategy. You have to invest in getting great people and holding on to them. You need to invest in really building customer relationships and, yep. and a whole side of things that a lot of these startups that quickly sell don't have. Good advice. That's, that's so true. So what is next for you? Where do you want to be? And sometimes I say six months or 12 months, but maybe for you, I say, what do you want to be in five years time? <laughs> I'd like our deep fusion to really take off. You know, we haven't seen that happen yet. And we're just starting to delve into it. It's kind of combining all these different technologies together. And I think that has a lot of opportunities. So I'm excited about that. I think there's a lot of opportunities in interesting areas where, you know, with COVID-19, and there's no more, there's not going to be any more shared touch. And so all these devices like kiosks that people used to go up and use after one other, they either need to be app controlled where you have your personal phone that you use, or they need, you need to be able to talk to them. And it's probably both. And in both cases, a talking interface makes the most sense. So we're, we're excited about that sort of thing for the future too. And we, and we want to see that, you know, one of, one of the things that I hope for our industry as a whole is that we can become more energy efficient. You know, one of the dirty little secrets of deep learning is that it takes a whole lot of compute power to build these models. And so you have these giant server farms putting out all this energy. And it's, it's great to see companies like Amazon and Google that are concerned about this and realize that they're doing harm and that they need to do energy efficient approaches to these technologies. So I think as an industry as a whole, that's a really important direction for us to move to caring about the environment. True. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's more and more technology and as a consequence, more and more energy consumption as well. And that doesn't work well in, in the right Well, If you don't pay attention to that, things will go, get out of hand. So yeah, where can people go to find out more about Sensory and to connect with you to say hi? So our website is www.sensory.com, S-E-N-S-O-R-Y. We've got LinkedIn profiles and we don't do a whole lot on Facebook, but we're there too. I'm on LinkedIn. People can send me connection requests if they have something they want to discuss with me. It's probably better to put that in the comments and I'll be more likely to accept. I tend to accept people from our industry. 
but I don't like filling up my LinkedIn with a bunch of strangers that I have nothing in common with. So I do turn, I do not accept a lot of people unless I see a reason to. Okay. Well, I'm glad you accepted my request. <laughs> and that's, this is the showcase of it that we are on doing this podcast today. Going through 26 years of evolution with a company that's still hot in the top list of very innovative in the space that you're in. But thanks for your time today, Todd. Thanks you, Tom. I appreciate it. The pre- appreciation is fully on my side. Thank you. <laughs> Cheers. And this ends my conversation with Todd. I hope you enjoyed it. And if so, please leave a review on iTunes. And if it inspired you, please share it with other tech entrepreneurs on a mission that you have in your network. Other than that, thank you for tuning into this podcast. I had the honor to speak to Todd Moser, Chairman and CEO of Sensory. As said, the goal that I have in this podcast is twofold. Firstly, to inspire new forms of value creation by sharing compelling ideas and stories about the potential we can unlock when technology and people blend in the right way. And secondly, share experiences from tech entrepreneurs like you about what is required to create a remarkable software business and how to overcome the roadblocks to do so. Before I close, I have two more comments to make. If you know other tech entrepreneurs on a mission that have a story worth sharing, please send me an email at ton.dobby at valueinspiration.com. Building the momentum all starts with revealing the ideas. And that starts with you. And if you want to know more about my book, or you're interested in joining the Remarkable Effect tribe, please visit my website at www.valueinspiration.com. Thanks for tuning in. And you could do me a big favor by rating the podcast on iTunes or provide me with your feedback directly. I'll see you shortly on a new episode. You've got questions, we've got answers. Business leadership, ownership, and sales can be challenging. Tune into the Accelerate Your Business Growth podcast to learn from the world's experts. Join me, your host, Diane Helbig, as I chat with people who have expertise in various areas of business. You'll enjoy the lively conversations that are focused on providing you with the ideas, tips, and suggestions you need to realize greater success. Get what you need for your business when you need it from the people who have the answers. Accelerate Your Business Growth is part of the Evergreen Podcast Network, and is available on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast.